Welcome to Shred the Should podcast, where we celebrate incredible humans redefining self, success, and the word should. I'm your host, Alex Katz. I'm a coach, speaker, and shredder of shoulds on a mission to help you shred your should shame so you can live in alignment with who you want to be rather than who you think you should be. Your whole life changes when you learn to stop shoulding on yourself. So if you're ready to change your life, follow along each week to learn from expert should shredders who will teach you how to level up your life and shred the should along the way. I'm so excited because today we have one of my favorite should shredders, Kristen Mann here. I'm so excited to learn from you today because when I think of a should shredder, you are one of the first people that come to mind and I know, right? And this is going to be really cool because, you know, I know you really well, but there's so much that I think you could talk about that I don't even think we're going to be able to fit it all in today. So thank you for being here. I'm so pumped to have you and yeah, let's get into it. Thanks for having me. That's such a high compliment of you Mm -hmm. to think of me as a should shredder. Oh my gosh. You are, you're totally a should shredder. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? However you want to answer that question. Yeah. So I like to answer that question like in two ways, like my, my business and professional side, and then, you know, me and my more, my personal side. So on the business side, it's kind of twofold. I'm a graphic designer. I've been in the industry for, you know, seven plus years, almost eight years now. And four and a half of those years, I have been a self-employed designer and A succinct way to talk about what I do is that I help small business owners and even large corporations um, brand themselves, but also use their brand assets and apply those across multiple channels. So that could be print design. It could be for the web, digital, um, for in-studio and like in-person spaces, whatever it is, I can help you, um, you know, brand yourself in all those different capacities. But I am also more recently a coach. And in the past year, I've been helping aspiring entrepreneurs and other business owners learn Canva and learn how to use it more efficiently for their businesses. And that's been really, really fun. Um, However, I am pivoting into doing more, I call it business coaching, but it's more specifically helping other people like you and I, like we did pivot from working in the corporate setting nine to five to owning their own business. So that is a, a longer answer than you probably wanted, but I'm a graphic designer and I'm also a coach. Um, on the more personal side, I love being outdoors. I love hiking. I also do CrossFit. I do yoga. Um, but my athletic endeavors kind of, they're always evolving and changing. So right now that's, that's what I like. That's what I'm into, but um, it definitely changes. Um, I'm also vegan. I love cooking. I love baking. And I also love animals. I have two small aquariums now and a terrarium for my gecko. Um, And yeah, I I guess that's it. That's what I would say. (laughs) That's it. That's just, you know, like a few things. Uh, (laughs) I absolutely love that. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, how you want to define yourself. So there's no kind of length that I'm looking for there, but I, for anyone listening, Kristen is a phenomenal coach and we're not, we're not giving you shoulds because we're shredding shoulds today, but you should follow her on Instagram because (laughs) she really does have like the most helpful content. And I think even for me, you know, you started your entrepreneur journey before I did. So I've been able to watch and learn from you and see how you've been shredding shoulds, you know, both in your industry and in your personal life, you know, this entire time. And I remember when you went to start your business, you know, you had all of these people telling you what you should do. I think even you were probably asking people what you should do, right? I remember that that day that we were walking in the woods and you were like, I want to do this, but everyone thinks it's a bad idea. And I was like, yeah, go for it. But at the same time, (laughs) I was, I wanted to start my own thing and I was too scared to do it, but I told you to, right? So I think that what's been cool for me, at least watching this evolution of you as a business owner and entrepreneur, business owner, coach is seeing the shoulds that you're kind of shredding along the way mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So what is the, the biggest should that you feel like you've ever shred and, and how, how did that change your life for you? I know it's kind of, it's tough because I mean, 
I, I guess I definitely see myself as, you know, leaving the nine to five corporate world and going into entrepreneurship is like definitely a big move. But when I think of the biggest should I've shred, it's actually a more personal level, but it mm-hmm. does relate to, to business in a lot of ways. So I think my identity has been very wrapped up in like intensity, but usually people would consider me being intense in terms of like athletic endeavor. So like first it was soccer for for most of my life. And then it was, you know, Spartan races, which is how we met Mm -hmm. and then trail running. Then it escalated to ultra marathons. And then I was like peak bagging, like 10, 10 peaks in a, in a day hiking. And then now it's like CrossFit and those are all like very intense things, but lately, and especially like this year, I've kind of craved slowing down a little bit. Um, so I think like, it's been hard for me because, you know, with like Facebook memories that come up, you see like all the like intense things that you've done over the the few years. Um, and then you see everyone's comments on it and they're like, oh my God, you're such a badass. Oh my God. I could never run that far. I could never do this. And you're so intense. And now I'm like, I don't really find myself to be intense in, in that way anymore. I think my intensity is kind of like transferred into my career and my business. So I think the the should that I'm shredding or, you know, I'm currently trying to shred is that like, you don't have to be one thing all the time. Um, and you definitely like you evolve, like, like I tell my clients, like your brand evolves over time. Like if you stay the same, then you're probably, you know, not listening to your clients. You're not, you know, you're not like going with the times, you're not going with the flow. Like, I think that's the, the biggest should is just like following and listening to, to what you need, because a lot of people are going to tell, tell you. And they tell me all the time, like, oh, you should like, have an email newsletter. You should be posting all the time. You should be doing all these things to like run a successful business. But in reality, like you have to find your own path. And I think that can be really hard for people who are just starting out, especially because you're just, you're just trying to get clients. You're trying to make money and like make a living and make it work. Yeah. I love all of that. I think, you know, about that journey and I, we've known each other, what, since 2015, right? Yeah. And so I was really interested when I asked you to kind of tell me about yourself and tell me who you are, like that first question that I asked, I was interested to see how you were going to answer it, you know, and, and because I think we are constantly evolving. And I think that the way you define yourself now is different than you would have defined yourself when we met as, oh, yeah. as would I, right. And I think, you know, Facebook memories reminded me about that Spartan race we did together in 2015. And I think we were both so different And you talk about, you know, learning to find your own voice and other people's voices kind of getting in the way. It can be so difficult to understand who you are and what you need when other people's shoulds are are coming in. And at that point in our lives, we both really defined ourselves by our intensity. And I laughed about it because we were, Zach and I were hiking the other day and I was wearing my mask because, you know, COVID and I got all these strange looks, but I think about how, when we met, you remember I bought the, uh, elevation training mask, the oxygen deprivation mask. And I would go run around in it. Like I was so cool and so intense and I was so praised for it. But now here I am doing something for my and other people's safety. And it's like, Oh, what's wrong with you? But I think we live in a culture that, I mean, it's, it's no secret, right? We live in capitalism. We value this productivity culture, diet culture praises intensity, right? It praises these like go go home mentalities, these quick fixes, big changes. And so it can be really, really hard to separate yourself from that and learn to define yourself outside of that, to learn to slow down and to listen to your voice when other people are giving you validation for doing things that might not be in alignment for you and who you want to be, right? And, And it's going back to the shoulds and it's thinking, you know, I'm Kristen, I'm this like elite athlete, you know, or I'm a coach or I'm like whatever it is that other people see you as, And that sometimes gets blurred with who you actually want to be, right? It's like these, these pressures of how other people see you, which is not always how we see ourselves. Oh yeah. People tell me all the time. They're like, what's next for you? Are you going to like hire people and like build your empire? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't want an empire. Like Mm -hmm. who wants an empire? Like, I don't know. Some people, they have goals to like expand their business and 
you know, they want like an office location and they want employees and they want to like expand their services. And I'm like, I, I don't want that. I didn't get into entrepreneurship to build a business for like, I don't know, a bigger business. I, I, I wanted the freedom. I wanted the flexibility and I wanted to like be creative and be able to choose who I work with. It, it had nothing to do with building this like big mm. corporation. And I think that's, I think I, I don't blame people for thinking that. I think that's a result of capitalism in a lot of ways, but I'm just like, success to me doesn't always look like big. Like it just, it looks like quality and and I want things to resonate with me. And I work with, I want to work with people who I, I like and who I want to support. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be this big thing. So I think that's another, a should for entrepreneurs. We probably get a lot as people are like, oh, so how are you expanding? And you're like, I'm good right now. <laughs> I'm good as I am. Yes. I like that you are trying to define success for yourself in a world that's telling you what they think success should look like. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? What does success mean for you right now? It means that I am, I mean, happiness is obvious. Like that's something that I want to be happy with what I'm doing, but most recently it's been much more about balance and boundary setting. Like I think in, in the beginning of entrepreneurship a lot of us are like very like desperate to you know meet people and make connections and work with people that like we're not as concerned if they're like an ideal client for us and now that I'm four and a half years ish into this thing I'm kind of thinking of it in the opposite way I, I want to work with people who who resonate with me but also make my life not 100% about work like mm. I know that I am I wouldn't say I have like an addictive personality by any means, but like when I'm in on something, I go hundred percent and I have been with my business for a while. And that doesn't mean that I want to like take a step back from it or anything, but I want my weekends. Like I want to be able to travel. Like I got into this for, for the flexibility and the freedom. Like I want to be able to travel and, and take time off when I want. And I think a lot of us get so caught up in trying to be like, successful whatever that means and in capitalist terms um that we we forget and we just pack our schedules so it's much more about the boundaries but obviously I want to make money I want to buy a house in the next couple of years I want to start a family and get married and do all those things and if if someone listening doesn't want those things that's cool but for me I do want those things um so I want to make enough money to survive of course but I guess on, on top of that, like the most important thing is always going to be having those boundaries and being able to, you know, leave my business for a day and not panic about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. And to your point, exactly right. These things that we think will make us happy or the things that we actually find make us happy. It can be really hard to know if those are your things or should things, right? So mm -hmm. For example, you're talking about wanting a house and all of that. And I think that's awesome, right? And so for anybody listening, if that's what you want, then awesome. And if that's not what you want, awesome, right? And so I think, you know, for me being on this journey, it's been, okay, well, what do I want my life to look like independent of what other people are telling me I should do, right? So, so it's kind of like the house, kids, dogs, all the things that we're told we should want, marriage, whatever, right? There's some that I want. There's some that I don't. I mean, yes, please give me all the dogs. That's fine. I will take them, right? Give me all the fish. All the fish, all the dogs, all the animals. And, you know, but I, I'm somebody who doesn't want like a big wedding, for example. And that's, mm -hmm. that's anything, right? And that's being able to shred all of those goods and pressures that I'm getting from other people. And so I think whether it's your personal life, business, you know, whatever it is, you need to take a step back and say, what am I doing for me? And what do I feel like I'm doing because I should? And I think a lot of times people are afraid to do things that are in alignment with who they want to be because either they don't know who they are, they don't know who they want to be, or because they're so afraid of how other people are going to react, what the perception is going to be. So, you know, I know that that's something I think you went through, right? When you started your your business. So can you take me back in time? What is it for four and a half years now? Can you take me back in time to that day in the woods when you were like, I think I want to do this? What did that feel yeah. like? So for you? my I mean, 
my family definitely like my parents were definitely like afraid (laughs) they were like oh you want to leave a stable job with benefits and try this thing like okay like it just wasn't something on their mind you know when they were my age um I think that generation would you know they'd stay in jobs for like 5 10 15 20 years like that's just Mm -hmm. what it was and it's it's much different nowadays I think people are much more accustomed to taking risks because I feel like a lot of the things in corporate America are not working for us anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's aside the point. Um, but yeah, my, my, they were supportive. My parents were definitely supportive. They were like, yeah, like we will absolutely support your decision, but like, know that we don't really love it. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we are a little fearful of that. Um, so I think having that in the back of my mind made it difficult to, to take that leap because I don't know. I, I'm someone who cares about my my family's opinions. Some people do not have that relationship with their family, and that's cool. But for me, it was always important. Um, so I think that put even more pressure on me to succeed in, in air quotes because I wanted to not only get their support but also like prove them wrong. <laughs> I think mm. That's definitely been um, a recurring theme in my life is just like proving to people that I can do things when in reality it should always have been proving to myself that I can do these things and I think that mindset switch in in more recent years has been really helpful uh to me um but yeah I think I think being an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur it can be really difficult because it feels really isolating Mm -hmm. because people even if people do support you um, if they're not an entrepreneur themselves or a small business owner themselves, they're not fully going to understand, you know, what, what it takes, um, not even just like technically and like learning new things, but also just mindset wise, it's, it takes up so much space in your brain. Um, I think fighting that, that pressure was tough, but even in the past, what I keep saying four and a half years, it's probably a little less than that, but we'll roll a four and a half. Um, yeah. But even in the past four and a half years, I, I don't know if it's because I am in this community or if this is true, but it seems like there's more people embracing this way of life. And that probably is a result of the pandemic, (laughs) partially. I know a lot of people who started businesses and side hustles during the pandemic, but I think it's becoming a little bit more commonplace to to go this route, even if it's temporary. And I think that's also the, the big thing. A lot of people are like, it's such a big decision. And I'm like, well, you've done the corporate thing. You could always get a nine to five job again. Like there's nothing stopping you from just trying it. And I think that was the headspace I was in that finally got me to take the leap. I was like, all right, I'm 25. I'm going to be 26 in literally six months. And then I'll be off my parents' health insurance. And then if it's not working at that point, then I'll just get another job, like whatever. So I think thinking about it in terms of like being temporary and not permanent can be helpful. Yeah. And I like what you said about what's the worst case scenario, right? Because so often we catastrophize these scenarios that are going to happen and we don't ever let ourselves work all the way through it. Right. So it's like, I want to, let's say, leave my job, start a business, right? We hear it all the time, or I want to start my side hustle. And the fear is that if I do this, then I will fail and I will lose all my money. Right. And, And it's not going to work. And then it's like, okay, well, what's your worst case scenario? I mean, I guess I go back to the field that I was in and use the skills that I have. And it's like, okay, so what you're telling me is that you are currently living your worst case scenario, right? If you're worst, oh, yeah, case that's scenario, really good. Right. Your worst case <laughs> yeah, scenario. I never thought about that way. Go back to doing the job that you were just doing. Right. So and the best case that? scenario is that you're living your best life, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. We're all out here trying to live our best lives. Yeah. <laughs> no right, one thinks like, about the best case scenario. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's like, when you really stop and think about it, you are living your worst case scenario, right? Like if you quote unquote failed, which we get to decide what success means, we get to decide what failure means to us. But if for you failure is it didn't work out and now I have to go back to corporate education, like whatever the thing is that you're doing. Great. So you are living your worst case scenario right now and nothing changes if nothing changes. So you need to go out there and try it and make a change. And I think really what we're not saying when we say we're afraid of failing, it's not even just that we're going to go back to that job. It's that we're going to disappoint somebody. It's that other people people are are going to think it's so embarrassing. Oh my God. When really no one actually cares as much as you. (laughs) Yeah. 
say that again. <laughs> right? It's, it's true though. Nobody nobody cares as much as you do and nobody should care as much as you do, right? They were talking about shoulds. We're going to shred that one, but right, really it's, it's your life. But I think that so often it's, you know, I'm afraid to let my family down. I'm afraid of what other people are going to think. Yeah. You know, you see it all the time in, in Ninja. I mean, I haven't been in the gym in a minute, but you'd see it all the time where people are afraid to hop on an obstacle because they are afraid to fall in front of other people. Like other yeah. people are going to see me fail. It's not even like, Sometimes it's like, I'm going to fall and get hurt. That was my mentality a lot. Yeah, but, that makes right, sense. <laughs> right. But for a lot of people, it's actually, I'm afraid to try this and not get it first try. I'm afraid to try right. this and have other people see me fall. And when I'm coaching, I'm always kind of working through like, what is your worst case scenario? So for me, it's, you know, if I'm going to fall, okay, well, let me figure out what I'm afraid of. Am I going to fall on my face and my back, my head? Like, what is it? Okay. Then let me practice knowing that I have the tools to get out of that. So if I fall, okay, can I forward roll out of it? Can I spot my landing, right? So if you're talking about a business or any risk that you want to take in life, it's not just your worst case scenario, but how do you get yourself out of it? Can you trust your resourcefulness? What tools do you have? And then you kind of realize that you're going to be okay. And yeah, no matter what, you're right. not going to let yourself starve. <laughs> right. And then if, and if it's not really about, you know, losing everything and going back to your job that you're currently at now, then it's about the weight of the shoulds of other people's opinions, which can either keep you from even trying in the first place, or it can do the opposite thing, right? Where you're trying to prove everybody wrong and you're working all the time and doing all the things and then not really stopping to take a breath and realize, okay, I'm doing it and I'm quote unquote successful, but is this an alignment? And I think we go through that phase and then shred some shoulds along the way. And then that's when everything changes. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I hit my breaking point this summer. I took my first like week long trip where Mm -hmm. I did not work at all for a full week. And it had been probably like two, three years since I had done that. Like I'd taken like time off here and there, like around the holidays and like weekend stuff, but it was never like a full week when I should have been working. See, should (laughs) but I was vacationing. Um, and when I got home from that, I was like, that was nice. Like, how can I make that work more? Like, not that I want to like take a week off every month or anything. And not that I didn't like what I was doing, but I had made it to my financial goal and I was still unhappy in Mm. some ways. And I was like, well, something is clearly feeling not in alignment. So just getting I mean, I guess my point is that even reaching goals you're gonna you're gonna realize that there's things that you still need need to change because like we said you're you're always evolving your business is evolving who you want to work with and the the services that you offer are going to be evolving so you're gonna reach goals and then you're gonna be like oh there's still things I I need to change like it's it's a growing process so I definitely agree with that yeah, and I think it's a big shift too between external and internal validation metrics, right? So I think sometimes when we're worried about how other people view our success, right? We think that there's this big number that we need to hit. Like, oh, if I make, you see it a lot in the coaching world, right? Like, oh, if you make six figures, you're successful. Learn how to make six yeah. figures, right? Or whatever the thing is, whatever the should is. And it's kind of, you know, like in my world, it's kind of like people trying to change their bodies, hit a number on a scale, whatever it is, where you do all the things and you reach that and you realize you're still not happy or like other people just still don't give a shit, right? Like you're trying to change your body because somebody made some comment, your ex was an asshole, whatever the thing was, right? And then you do it. I mean, been there, done that. And then you do it, right? (laughs) And they don't care. And so, you know, it's, it's, takes us a bit to actually realize that like I think we can conceptualize it but Mm -hmm. then until you've actually done it and you've followed everybody else's shoulds right it's like you're playing limbo and you're letting other people hold the bar and they're constantly moving it and until you've done that and you've gone under the bar 20 million times and other people still don't give a shit right that you realize your back is broken oh my gosh the worst I've also been there (laughs) done that right so like until you do that I think it's really hard to figure out what decisions and actions you are taking because of other people's shoulds versus your own I think that's the pivotal moment when you don't feel in alignment you're like okay well what next 
like what's what's actually the issue here yeah absolutely and i i think there is a, a difference between saying what's next after you know you've you've created something that you really like and you're like well mm-hmm. how can i help more people yeah. how can i like do better um that's different than you know, doing something and then forcing yourself to be like, okay, what's next? And not like sitting and, and self-reflecting and mm-hmm. understanding what, what you could do better or, or what needs to change. I think there's like an obsession with like one-upping ourselves yeah. almost yeah. like every offer we do, every service we offer. Like it's, it's just like, I, I find myself so like ignoring all those things now I'm like I'm just gonna do my own thing I I can't surround myself with people who are like constantly trying to make like the the best things I just I'm I'm just focusing on like my people and what's bringing me joy and trying to keep those boundaries in in mm-hmm. place because we work so hard for those boundaries that's a really good point. There is a huge difference in when we say what's next, right? And, and doing that self-reflection as the next thing or constantly being like, well, I followed this should and it didn't give me the validation I wanted. So let me go for the next should, right? And let me, right. I was talking about it with a client this morning because she was super frustrated uh, at a family gathering. You know, she's almost 40 and her family was like, well, when are you going to have a boyfriend? Right. And we were talking about uh, how when she had a boyfriend, it was like, well, when are you going to get married? Right. And then you get married. It's like, well, when are you going to have kids? Right. And um, she was let me live. What? <laughs> Just let me live. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's, you know, we were talking about that because it's a perfect example of the second you make it under the limbo bar, you are so happy and you're like, I did the thing. Everyone's going to feel so good. They're going to be so proud of me. I'm going to be proud of myself. And then they're like, that's cute. Do it, do something else. Right. And they move the bar again. So I agree. I think that if you're able to hold that bar for yourself and say, you know, I just, you know, like you're doing awesome work in your business. Right. And it's like, you create something that can help people and it does. And then you're like, sweet, I want to help more people. And you go and do that. Like, that's, that's totally fine. And, you know, even following other people's shoulds, as much as I say, shred the should, I think it's important to point out that it's not always that simple. Right. And so much of it comes from our own conditioning and years and years of trying to please people, make other people happy, fit in, do all these things. And so if you're listening to this and you're kind of feeling like, well, I do that, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? Or like, I'm not yet in a place where I'm making decisions based on what will bring me joy and alignment, that's okay, right? It's just for you to start thinking about those those steps to be more in alignment with yourself and shred some of those shoulds. Oh yeah, it's mostly about recognizing that you're self-imposing this should. <laughs> it's, it's usually, honestly, like, I, I don't know if it's just me or other people feel this way too, but I hear other people tell me what I should be doing. And I, I usually can kind of be like, no, like I can make a decision for myself. A lot of the issues I have with should are, are self-imposed, which are probably imposed from our, um, our society, of course, like it's ingrained in us, but it usually comes from an internal place. And those are, those are the shoulds that are are probably the, the toughest to, to shred (laughs) in, in your, in your terms, because there's no like external blame to be had. You kind of have to work through that on your own. Yeah. Can you give me an example of a should that you are working on shredding, maybe an internal one for an example? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, this probably is a little bit of both, but I keep talking about boundaries. Mm Um, and even though I've become much better at setting them and sticking to them, it'll still be like, I don't know, like 4 PM on like a Thursday mm-hmm. and I get done and I've done all the work that I had set out to do that day. Everything is checked off my list. And then I, I just turn the page in my agenda and I see what I'm going to have to do for tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, well, I should just like get started. I have an extra hour to, mm-hmm. to kill, but I've been working very hard to recognize when I'm thinking that and telling myself that. And instead of giving into it, I'm just like, no, I, I have set out to do what I've set out to do today. So I don't need to use every waking moment of the work day for work. If I am more efficient than I planned out and I have this extra hour, then like, I'm going to go do something else. Like 
this is the whole point of entrepreneurship, right? Is to have this freedom and to not be a slave to the, the corporate nine to five world. Like we should be able to go for that midday walk or work from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. instead of nine to five. Like this is the whole point. And I think that's definitely like, I think when I, I see something like someone says that, like, oh, I should be working. I'm like, oh, that's like a, a capitalist thing. But really like I'm self-imposing that onto myself. Like I have buried that so deep internally that that is my, my gut reaction to having extra time now, even on like a Sunday or a Saturday, I'm like, oh, I could like go edit this podcast episode. No, like use your time. That's been probably the, the hardest one for me to, to work on, but we're getting there. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that's a really important topic because so often these shoulds are self-imposed. And if we can take a step back and try to understand where that's coming from, right? And that conditioning, it's so helpful. I mean, even I struggled with that in my business and I'm, you know, talking about self-care constantly. And I just did this big talk for the She Recovers Foundation about burnout. And I was talking about how burnout at its core really occurs when we're not living in alignment with who we are and what we need. So not just in a work setting, but it can happen, you know, throughout our lives. And Mm -hmm. so many people get burnout with their jobs and they think, okay, well, if I go start my own business, then I won't be burnt out anymore. (laughs) Then what happens is you don't have anybody telling you, right? Like we've gone from this, our entire lives, we've had other people telling us what to do, right? So you're younger, like your guardians are telling you, what you do, who you should be, right? You're go, go, going all the time. Maybe it's like school and then dance practice or whatever it is you do, right? And you're just, you're going and doing. And then, you know, you're in high school and you're applying to colleges and did you even visit them or what's happening, right? You're just going and doing. Maybe you're taking college classes because you're told that you should, right? You're getting involved in all these things because you should. Then you go to college and you pick a major you don't even know that you want because you should, right? (laughs) And so you're kind of just going through the motions of other people's shoulds your entire life. Even if it feels like it's, it is your choice, like to some extent, there's still a should, right? It's kind of like, kind of like in elementary school, we were told we had to pick an instrument so it's like, here's your choice. Do you want the violin or the flute? You've got I don't want it. an instrument. Right. But, it, right. but it was like, you know, you're either going to join choir or play an instrument. Which yeah. one do you want? And so, you know, my autonomy there was like, well, I think I want to play the violin. So that was my choice, but it was still like a should, right? You, like, you, you need yeah, to, you should instrument. be playing an instrument. Right. And you're like, I don't want to play an instrument. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Right. And so then, you know, you get to college and it's like, well, did your, did your family influence the major that you picked? Right. Like when I was a business advisor at a university, all these students were coming in miserable with their majors. And it's like, well, this is just what I'm doing because my parents said I should, right. Or maybe they're paying for my school or I want to make them proud. And so then you start your first job, right. And you have somebody setting your hours. They tell you when it's okay for you to take a day off. It's okay for you to take a sick day. It's here's the work you need to do. Here are your deadlines. And then you start working for yourself. And I know that's like the biggest thing I've struggled with as an entrepreneur is I'm setting my hours. I'm taking on projects, right? So this week when I was sick, I I struggled a lot with guilt around all I was doing was client calls and I wasn't going to write these articles. I wasn't going to record any podcasts. I wasn't going to do anything else. I made that choice. And there's still this should shame of like, no, you should be doing all these things. And I think for many of us, when we make that leap, part of it is because we've never been able to really make those decisions for ourselves before. And then I think the other part of it is, you know, you're saying like in my head, I like jokingly blame capitalism, but like, it's true, right. That we've been conditioned. I know in previous jobs, if I needed a sick day, I was made to feel really bad for it. And it wasn't like me imposing my own guilt. It was like my employers being like, but are you dying? Right. Right. And so, so I think we come in with all this internalized guilt or even just, you know, starting as an entrepreneur, it's like, well, you are directly responsible for your success, right? That mentality of like, if you're not doing well enough, you're not successful enough, you're not making enough money. It's because you're not working hard enough, right? It is very much that like, capitalist culture. So I don't know about you, but I know for me, as much as I recognize that like nobody else in my life is going to tell me what I should do because they know I am the should shredder here and I won't <laughs> listen to it. A lot of my internalized shoulds are coming from external that, resources. Yeah. Even if it yeah. was like when I was five and I was told to pick a, an instrument, right? How is that showing up for me today? Yeah. And I think a lot of it's just 
simply speaking, it's a habit. We built yeah. these habits. And if you have worked a few days <laughs> into a corporate job, like, you know, that there are habits that they beat into you, um, yeah. whether they're good or bad habits, some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Um, but yeah, I think, I think when you realize you get to the point and you're like, wait, no, I ha- I get to make this decision. Mm-hmm. Like I am the one who is controlling this. That's when when change starts to happen. But it can still be super difficult, especially like for me, my clients are working nine to five for the most part. So it makes sense for me to be working nine to five. So there's a lot of things that I do in my own business that mirror the corporate world. So it's kind of like its own like mini corporate like corporate thing but there's a lot there's a lot that's different about it but I think that I guess my point is that it's hard to really get completely away from it because the rest of the world is is functioning and in this same way still so you kind of have to to balance that Mm, yeah no totally so in your industry however you want to talk about it because you do a lot of things what are some of the, the shoulds that you're seeing that are actually maybe you're talking about, you know, like good and bad, like what are some of the shoulds that you're seeing that maybe are not so harmful versus, you know, some of the ones that just like really grind your gears, your pet peeves of the industry shoulds. That's a good question. I've been trying to think of like good shoulds, but I'm going to start with the, the not so good. Yeah. I feel that in both the design world, in entrepreneurship, in coaching, and in pretty much any industry, there's always a list of things that you you should do in your process. Like for for logo design, for example, there's always people who are going to be like, it should start with pencil and paper. You should be sketching your logo concepts. And I'm like, I have never worked that way. And that might be shocking to some logo designers, but I just I've never, my brain doesn't work that way. I don't sketch. I'm not a doodler. Like that's never been me. So that's always bothered me. Um, but some people will be like, oh, like you shouldn't present more than like two to three concepts for a logo because it will like make your client overwhelmed with choices. And I'm like, I'm over here, like presenting three to five. And I have, I have no problem doing that. Like, that's just my process. Um, and then another big one is that, um, design should be left to designers Mm. and that design is like it it should be sacred and that you should go to school to do what we do when in reality when you look at the world now tools like canva are so important because people like don't have the funds to work with me and pay me to do all their design work that's just silly to think of you know myself in the beginning of my entrepreneurship journey, paying someone a hundred dollars an hour to like do all this, this work for me, it makes sense in the beginning for you to kind of take on some of that yourself until you get your footing and you understand what works and what you need help with. But also when you, like you need to build up those, that budget, like it's just the honest truth. So when people, you know, when they say that, you know, you should always hire out for things, like I think, when you're in, you know, my, my place in business, sure, that makes a lot of sense. But in the beginning, like you as an entrepreneur, like you don't have a lot of resources and you need to kind of be scrappy. So I love Canva and a lot of designers are like totally against Canva because they just think it's crazy to have non-designers with like no skills to create something. And like, yeah, some people create things that I'm like, oh, that could have been better. But at the same time, it's like, it's not like you look at something and you you can like you can't tell if it looks bad like when you message me like (laughs) I made this but like something is off like your gut's usually right and you don't have a you're not trained in design you know what I mean like I think designers sometimes like feel like their audience is like stupider than they are and I'm like no these people are people they're they're ingesting the same content as we are. They know when something looks off. They know when something is not legible. Like, I don't know. I just, I think it's crazy to, I guess that's part of an identity thing to like put people in boxes, like designers and non-designers. Like there's so much overflow. And at the same time, like 
if I'm doing design work for a client, they're the expert in their field. They're the expert in their content. Like they should be heavily involved. And if you are an entrepreneur and you can use Canva and you can design your own stuff, you do not need to hire me. Like if that's something that you stress out about, then sure, hire me. But I think there's a lot of shoulds where it's like, oh, you should do everything yourself. Oh, but you like shouldn't hire people. Like do what works for you. Like everyone's process for everything is going to be different, whether you're a designer, whether you're a coach of some sort, like you have to find the software, the tools, the, the processes and, and the systems that, that work for you, the communication style that works for you. Like I work with people who meld well with my style. Like that's, that's just how it is. So I think there's just a lot of a should in, in what you, what people think you should and shouldn't do just generally speaking. Yeah, no. And I think it's so funny that you mentioned that because I'm not even in that industry. And that's a should that I have experienced where for a while when I saw non-designer friends trying to do design work, like it could be great, but I got really annoyed by it that they were getting paid to do logo or design (laughs) work when, you know, you have people like you who have all this experience in it and went to school for it. And you know, they, they don't. And so I think even that's what I mean about how ingrained these shoulds are where I did not go to school for design. I am not in the industry. It does not affect me at all, but I would see that and almost get annoyed by it. And I had to check myself on it for that same reason is just, we don't realize where this should shame comes from, where we've internalized it. And then how do we project that onto other people? And then, you know, maybe even indirectly end up kind of discouraging them from doing something that they could be really good at mm-hmm. because we feel like, you know, they should take a different path. That's not what they should be doing. They're not qualified, right? Like who are we to decide that? And I think that's where, whether it's design or business or any field, the, the shoulds kind of come into play and, and sometimes stop us from living our full potential. Yeah. People come to me and they're like, I need a logo now because I'm starting a business in a month. And I'm like, just start your business, dude. Mm. Like you don't need a logo to start a business. Like, I think that's another big should is that you need to have like all your branding and like your visual style figured out. Mm. And it's nice. Like it's probably like, I I think the best advice I would give is to like find a color scheme and kind of work within that. Mm. Like just to have some consistency because consistency Um, is important of course so people recognize that it's your content and and your collateral that they're seeing but you don't need this like thousand dollar logo or like multi-thousand dollar like branding system to start a business you just need to start Mm -hmm. that's it yeah no exactly I think that so often no matter what it is but especially starting a business we feel like we have to have everything figured out before we start, but no matter how quote unquote perfect, right, which perfect doesn't exist, but no matter how perfect you try to make it and how ready you try to be, you're not going to be ready because things will come up as you go. You kind of just have to figure it out as you go. And then if you're waiting until you feel ready, I mean, I remember, let's go with four and a half years, four and a half years ago, right? You talked about starting your business and I was like, yes, absolutely go for it. And I wanted to do the same thing. And I wasn't ready. Right. And it took, here I am four years later where, you know, maybe three, I started mine finally, but it took me all that time. And, you know, sometimes there are life circumstances that you need to kind of work around before you make a change for sure. Of course. But I also think that so often we're on a hamster wheel and we're just afraid to take the leap off. And, you know, we talk about burnout and it's, you know, we feel like, we are just going and going and going on this wheel and something needs to change, but we're on this, this wheel kind of, it's, it's like, you know, we're following something that someone's dangling and it's all these shoulds of like, this is, you know, stability and success. And I, you know, I've told you a million times, but when I left my job and I started my business, I was told, well, don't you need the stability? And what I realized was that I had consistency, but not stability, right? If I needed to work three jobs to pay my bills, it wasn't stable. Shit wasn't stable. Right. But I knew I was consistently getting a paycheck every two weeks and, you know, but that was a, that was a should you need the retirement, you need the health insurance, you need those things, you need investors, you need a logo, you need a website, you need, 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 should, should, should. And 
I think those shoulds really kept me from taking action. Sooner. Yeah, taking action until yeah. I was able to realize that what I thought were my shoulds were actually everybody else's voices that I was listening to. And I was telling myself all these stories, right? And, you know, I'm sending you logos and I'm like, you know, do I go with this or the other thing? And it's like, that didn't even matter. And I ended up changing my entire business name within a year because I changed exactly. within a year. what I wanted to offer changed within a year because yeah. it's, you know, we think we have to get it all figured out and then it's, this is going to be the way that you want it to be for forever, but we're constantly it's changing not. evolving. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, what you think is going to happen in the beginning is not where you're going to end up like and end up meaning like a year, two years, three is like, it's going to change. And that's the the hard part about working with these people who are starting a business, haven't started it yet. It's not always like this, but a lot of the times these people don't really know what their brand is. They don't mm. really know all this stuff. So what we come up with doesn't resonate with them like a year later. And that's, that's a lot of the clients I get are those clients who had something designed a year or two prior and they're like now I'm deeper in my business and this doesn't really make sense anymore and I'm like yeah like not that it was a, always a mistake to do something right in the beginning but it just goes to show that things don't everything's temporary things change like you said and they evolve so you're probably going to have to reevaluate at some point yeah you do the best that you can with the information yeah. that you have at the time and you know you do things that align with who you are at the time and then things change, you change. I don't think, I think that's another source of should shame, right? When things change where it's like, oh, I should have known, yes. I should have had this figured out. And you know, I oh, think, yeah. <laughs> right. That's part of the reason I stayed in the field that I was in for so long. Not that I didn't, I, you know, I loved it. Right. And I ended up starting a nonprofit for the same reason, because I care so much about it. But we remember when I was in grad school and I wanted to drop out and I kept saying like, I need to go be a physical therapist or I need to go open a gym or I need to, you know, go. And I stayed because of all these shoulds from other people. And also because I just spent all this money on school for six years, time, money, yeah, right. Everything. Ignore that financial burden. <laughs> no. And so like in my head, it's like, well, I should do this. This is the path that I've been down for the last six years. And there comes a point where you're like, well, this isn't in alignment with who I am anymore. I've changed and it's okay. And really allow yourself to, to observe that without judgment. Because I think so often we feel like we failed if we didn't follow the, the plan that we set out, you know, oh, yeah. maybe even in high school where it's like, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to major in this, I'm going to do these things. And then life doesn't work like that. And I think we have a hard time accepting that a lot. Oh God. Yeah. When I was first getting into design school I was like I'm gonna work at like an agency and I'm gonna be living in the city and it's gonna be so cool and I lived that life for like a year and I was like I don't want that anymore <laughs> like you can't predict the future but you also can't predict how you're gonna feel and what you're gonna want in the future mm -hmm. because there's so many other things that change too yeah, no, totally. And that's, I think, one of the ways we see that should shame showing up, right? Especially for new professionals, new entrepreneurs, right? Anyone really. So how do you see that should shame show up? I, I know we talked about a little in the design world too, but even helping people pivot, right? Into starting their own businesses. How do you see that show up in your coaching? Well, a lot of people feel the same way as me. Like, I think there's this caricature especially for female entrepreneurs mm -hmm. um there's this caricature of like hashtag lady boss like that is what everyone is like supposed to aspire to be and it's like this woman who like dresses wicked nice she's in the city she's going to networking events she's making like half a million dollars and like that's like the epitome of like female entrepreneurship and if you like those things and you want those things that's fine but I think a lot of us have trouble with our identity because we are coming off of nine to five jobs like the corporate world some of us it's only like two or three years but others like I've worked with people who are in the same job for like five ten years and that's like a huge identity change like mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you see people you know on social media who are entrepreneurs like I think it's getting better now but I know in the beginning of my journey I was seeing these people on social media and they like look done up all the time and 
their own stories and everything is like so positive. And mm. for me, it's so important to show my audience that like, I'm in like, I'm in sweatpants today. I don't, I can't remember the last time I wore makeup. Like mm-hmm. I show up on my stories, like as is, I don't, you know, stress about it. Um, I've, lo- I've lived that networking life. I've done the networking in the city thing and it worked for me for a little bit, but what's most in alignment for me is just waking up and doing zoom calls from my computer. And that's, that's what resonates for me and feels good for me. So a lot of people just feel like they need to look a certain way or talk a certain way, or they need to be on social media. I I should have a mailing list. I should have multiple streams of income. And like, maybe you will at some point, but you don't have to worry about all of this in the beginning. Like, find one or two things to focus on and then we can kind of go from there like I didn't have a mailing list until this year like I didn't have multiple streams of income until this year and maybe for some people that's like a fail but for me I'm like that's fine this is what worked for me like you have to find your own path and you have to make your own identity in this world because it, it's tough being in the entrepreneur world Yeah. And I think that really goes back to exactly finding what's in alignment for you, shredding those shoulds. I think, you know, going off that a couple of the big ones I hear, it's like, you know, people flaunting how much money they make as a business coach that then makes them a successful business coach, right? So when you're, when you're looking for a coach to work with, it's like, well, here's how I made six figures in a year. And here's how you can do that too. And I think so often we feel stuck. We don't know what to do. I'm a big fan of coaches having coaches, right? But we, mm-hmm. we hire somebody based on either how they align with us or thinking that they are where we want to be. And that if we work with them, then we will get there. Right. So for example, as a fitness coach, you know, people, the reason I don't post before and afters is because people think, oh, well, she got this person to look like this. So if I work with her, I'll look like this too. And it's like, no, because everybody's journey is so individual. You can't guarantee that. And I think, and and also, you know, how I feel about changing your body is not the goal, right? Changing about how you feel about your body is, but that's a whole other, a whole other thing. But I think, you know, in the entrepreneur world, we start out, we don't know what we're doing. Maybe we don't have role models. We don't have mentors to teach us these types of things. So we look for a coach, which like, awesome, great coaches have coaches, keep learning, keep doing. But then like, you know, you very much picked a coach, I think based on alignment, right. And, Mm -hmm. And fit. And then I see a lot of other people pick coaches being like, well, this person made six figures in a year and that's where I want to get. And that's what success looks like. So I'm going to do that. So you see people flaunting that, which is a huge pet peeve for me. And then they teach you how to do it exactly the way that they did it or that they were taught to do it because they also hired a coach. And then there is a lot of should shame. You know, even, even me, I found myself going, you know, should I make a TikTok? Should I be on LinkedIn? Should yeah. I, you know, and, and it's each time that you level up. Like when I started actually advertising the fact that I am a public speaker, Instagram might not be the platform for that. And, you know, I hired a speaking coach and they're like, oh, you should, well, not the coach, but other people in the program are like, you should be on LinkedIn. You should be on Twitter. You should. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't handle more platforms. Like, please, right. you know, I'm good. I'm good with what I've got going on. And so every time you enter into a new realm, you're going to get new shoulds yep. and it's a lot of noise and you need to be able to kind of go back inwards and trust yourself. And I remember when I, when I hired my first coach, I think I was very much in that mindset of like, she did this and she can teach me how to do this. And and it was a big financial investment. And, you know, Zach and I were talking about this and he was worried and, you know, he's like, well, you know, I'm talking through it with him and I'm like, no, but I trust her. Like, it'll be good. And he's like, I don't care if you trust her. Like, I don't trust her. I don't know her, Right. I trust, but I trust you. right? Right. And I think that's, a really big thing I want to drive home is, is building that inner trust with yourself. Because I think sometimes we look for other people to give us the answers and coaches can guide us, but they can't be everything for us. And they're only going to help you from their own shoulds, like what they did, what they were taught they should do, not just coaches, but mentors. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I feel a lot of, I felt a lot of pressure about like, for example, like LinkedIn too. Mm -hmm. And it's not that LinkedIn doesn't work. Like, yeah, I probably could get a lot of clients on LinkedIn if I put my uh, my effort there, but I don't like it. Like I, and that's the thing, like a lot of people are like, I feel like I should be on 
this social media platform. And I'm like, okay, well, part of it is absolutely you need to know where your clients live and where they're spending their time. Of course, that's number one. But number two is like, if this is not something that you enjoy or something that you understand or have any interest in learning about, then yeah. stay off of it. Who cares? Like, yeah. like I always say, like, I, this is the example I use, like plumbers are probably not on TikTok. They're probably like, you know, they're, they're more a local company. They're probably on like message boards and stuff. But if there is a plumber who wants to be on TikTok, I bet he could probably be pretty, pretty awesome because there's not a lot of them on there. So it's kind of like, both sides like sure like you can make that work but do you want to make it work like there's so many different routes to get to where you want to be you have to figure out what works well for you some people love cold calls I do not like cold calls I will never ever do cold calls not my style like you just have to like yes it matters where your clients are and how they are hearing from you but you also have to honor who you are and what feels good to you yeah, 100%. And if you want to try something that maybe you haven't seen done before, or other people tell you isn't going to work, again, remember that just because it hasn't been done or you haven't seen it done doesn't mean it can't be. And that just because people are telling you you should do something different, it, it's really coming from a place of their own experience, fear, insecurity, whatever that is. And, you know, we've talked about it, but leaving a traditional job, we see it so much where people are scared of entrepreneurship. Otherwise they would do it themselves, right? They're scared of, and, and we've talked about this, but you know, when I made the leap, I was saying how I was working so many jobs for other people. And that third job that I had, when I had three at one time, like that third job that I had, I had a personal training certification, right? I've been in the fitness world coaching for like seven years, did not use it. Like, you know, in terms of working for myself, I needed money to fix my car. And I got a job as a kickboxing coach because I wanted somebody else to take a chance on me because I was so in this mindset of consistent paychecks, you know, you need that stability. So I wanted someone to take a chance on me rather than taking a chance on myself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then when I decided to actually recognize that nobody in my world was familiar with the work that I was doing. Like I was actually talking to the same person, right? I was, except for you at at this point, but like I was talking to that person who'd made the stability and consistency comment uh, a while ago. Well, the stability part of it. And this was like two weeks ago, I was talking to them and they were like, wow, you're actually doing really well meaning that they are defining my success based on right. what they want okay. to Okay, yeah, right? you know. <laughs> like based on what they see on Instagram, right? Like, wow, it looks like you're doing really well. You're really successful. You know, kind of this, this, I was wrong. You know, I didn't realize that this field could do this for you or that you could be lucrative, you know, right? Yeah, or whatever it is, right? Because we weren't even talking money, but like, they were just like, I had no idea. And, and so I think a lot of times people speak from things that they don't actually know, right? They speak from what they know. And I think the biggest thing is being able to take that chance on yourself, trust yourself, and then bring it way back to where we started, knowing that you're probably living your worst case scenario. So if yeah. you take that chance and it doesn't work out, whatever that is, you know, I was just talking to somebody who quit her job and decided to travel around the US and is making that work, right? Actually out of country too, and is making that work. And she was saying too, it's like, you're living your worst case scenario. You need to trust that you have the tools to fix things if it doesn't work out. And that at the end of the day, you're going to be okay. Like that's just, you you will be okay. And I think so much of it is just fear of how other people will see it if you quote unquote fail. But if you're defining success and failure from yourself, and you trust yourself, then you'll be all right. I can agree with that. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> all right. Very all. <laughs> <laughs> what on that note, what advice do you have? I know you've said a lot of really helpful things, but what advice do you have for a new entrepreneur, designer, you know, somebody just starting out? I guess that was my piece of advice, but what would you have to say? Literally tell everyone, you know, what you do. And I mean, everyone I have literally never, and I mean, never paid for advertising. Mm. I don't even put that, that much effort into marketing. And that's not me being like, nice job, Kristen. No, that's the only way I got there is by telling everyone 
like telling your family, sending a group email, sending texts to your friends, like talking about it casually in conversations, like with a Starbucks barista. Like it sounds silly, but people don't know what you do unless you tell them. Like, I remember I was coaching someone earlier this year and I was like, have you posted your new business on your Facebook page? And they're like, oh yeah, I posted it on my, my business page. And I was like, no, what about your personal page? And she was like, oh, I haven't done that yet. And then like, she posted it and she got like 200 likes and like a hundred comments. And then like people were contacting her and asking her questions. And she was like, I had no idea that that would like turn into that. And I was like, yes, like people want to help the people that they love and they care about and that they identify with. And people don't realize that they think that they're being annoying by telling people they think they're being annoying by like posting things. And I'm like, no, you forget that like you post one post a day. They see hundreds of other posts all at the same time. Like they, they're not sitting there being like, she posted about her business again. Oh my God, how annoying. And if they are, they're just going to unfollow you or scroll. Like they're not the person you want to work with anyway. So like you have to be vocal about what you do. And that doesn't mean you have to like go to networking events every night and like network the people you don't know. I'm just saying, tell the people you do know, because your networks are way more vast than, than you believe. And that is something that I did not recognize or realize at all when I first started. Yes, that's huge. You said that perfectly. And I think so much that goes back because I have one of my life coaching clients, the same thing. She's starting her side hustle. And we literally, I sent her to your page because I needed reinforcement (laughs) for this. But I said the same thing. I was like, you think you're annoying people, but think about how many times you have to see a commercial to be able to recognize it and to actually care about it, right? People are so busy. And it goes back to thinking that people pay attention to you more than they actually do. Like nobody notices. Nobody notices. I use the analogy of when I was learning how to do the flying bar and ninja which is basically like the salmon ladder but horizontally mm-hmm. like I have a video of me falling and the bar hitting me in the side of the head and knocking me out and there's like ten, right there's like 10 people behind me and nobody's looking like literally nobody <laughs> it's like five minutes later I'm on the ground they're like yo what are you doing on the ground I'm like, narcissist <laughs> right but we assume that everyone's watching and they're just like yeah. waiting to laugh and watch us fail and that's not the case like in reality people want to help you they want to know what you're up to and you know a lot of times like you said before we are placing that should shame and judgment on ourselves and when we can kind of open up space for that right to, to remove that and open up space for to let other people in and that's when we can really skyrocket you know mo- most of my clients have come from referrals and from me oh, yeah. being vocal about what it is that I do because at the end of the day, if you have a business, you have a product or a service that can help people. You didn't just I was just going to say that. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, a lot of people, it's kind of like the idea of like, well, what if I fail and people not thinking about, well, what if you succeed? It's the same thing with like, well, what if I, oops, sorry. I hit my mic. <laughs> it's, it's more like, what, what if I annoy people? Well, what about the other side? What if there's people out there who desperately need help? They need mm-hmm. your services and you are the perfect person for them. Like you're doing them a disservice by not talking about what you do. And we don't think about that ever. We always think about the negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. So moral of the story there, shred some shoulds and (laughs) get out there and do whatever it is that you want to do. What feels good for you? What feels in alignment? How can you help people? Don't worry about what they think because ultimately you can't control that no matter what you do, right? So- Correct. I love that. So what do you have going on right now? Where can people find you? What are you doing in the business world? What's going on for you? Great question. Um, The best way to connect with me is always on Instagram. That's where I am most social. Um, My account's Kristen Mann Design. Um, You can expect lots of Canva branding and like entrepreneur content there. Um, I run an ongoing group it's called brand clarity toolkit and with that slack community you get access to me and all the other entrepreneurs in the group and we talk about anything from design to entrepreneurship and you also get access to all my digital content learning canva and and branding and all that good stuff Um, so that is an option if you are looking for 
more help with Canva and, and the branding side of things. I am also working on a new business coaching offering, which I don't have all the information on right now, but it is in the works. Um, and I am also taking on one-to-one um, business coaching clients as well as Canva clients as well. I'm not taking on any more design clients for 2021, but if you have an upcoming business um, endeavor that you are looking to have materials made for, or if you're looking for logo design, I am absolutely available in 2022, but I am booked for the, the rest of the year. Although I'm not sure when this is coming out, but if it comes out before 2022. <laughs> December. It will, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I love about your social too and what you do is that you talk a lot about mindset on there, right? And the mindset behind being a an entrepreneur or a coach or whatever it is that people need, right? Whatever they're struggling with, you talk about that mindset piece a lot. And that's a big reason why I even wanted to start this podcast, because I think so often we think that, you know, going back to that external validation, if we get the thing, then it'll change how we feel about ourselves or we'll be happier. And, you know, people leave their jobs, start businesses, and then they think that they just need to be on more platforms to be more successful, or they need to like put money in advertising, or they need to do all these things. And they don't look at how their own internal monologues are actually what's holding them back. And I think that's such an important piece. So just throwing that out there for anybody who's about to go follow her after this, I really like that (laughs) because that's so, so important. Like, you know, as a coach, it's like, even for me for fitness, right? Like I can teach you how to work out. I can teach you about the human body, but ultimately no amount of fitness in the world is going to fix how you feel about yourself. And I think that's something that people don't recognize enough. So definitely worth the follow. You learn a lot, not just about Canva, although your Canva content is amazing. I feel like (laughs) that's why I've gotten so much better at it with my non-design brain. You are, you're killing it now. Amazing. It's just the reps and the sets, right? Like when I started, it was the same thing. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I should hire someone, maybe you, probably you, right? And don't have the money. What am I going to do? And I think when we get rid of those shoulds and just put ourselves out there and just try and we put in reps, baby, everything. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. This is great. I'm going to post all your social stuff in the bio there so people can find you and follow you. And thank you so much for coming on here today. Thanks so much for having me. Always nice to chat with you per usual. <laughs> per usual. All right. <laughs> and as always, keep shredding those sheds. We'll see you next time. Whoop.